you're listening to us, but you don't know who us is just yet, so I should probably announce it. Welcome to The Front Porch. I'm Lauren Mohork. I'm Brian Beaudry. And we're going to talk about what we're about to talk about. So what are we about to talk about, Brian? Well, we talked to Gus this month. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I like talking to him. He's cool. Good. Because <laughs> you <laughs> did. Yeah, I did. Uh, he told us a little bit about what he does. He is a Salesforce administrator for Point of Rental, so he manages oh, yeah. our Salesforce stuff. He's very intelligent um, in the ins and outs of Salesforce, so it's helpful to have him on the team because we use Salesforce actually for a lot, especially in the sales department. Don't tell Salesforce this, all right? Anywho. We also got into some other interesting stuff about him. Uh, oh, yeah. Like he was an exchange student in Germany, so we got his take on Germany. Auf Wiedersehen? No. Schnitzel? I still don't know. He tried to teach me German, I think, but I... No, we asked we asked him for a joke, but he gave us a joke in English, which pretty good. You should stick around for that. Oh, yeah. He also gave us his top five board games of all time. Ooh. Um, I'm not going to give you... I, I don't want to have a spoiler at the beginning. Sure. So no, we're not here You have to stick spoilers. around for that. No. This is also going to feature two new bits. We're going to have English 101, Yay! where people guess... Our guest will guess what on earth some UK English phrases mean. Mm, maybe I should say huzzah. The other one is Evelyn's Kitchen. So when we talked to Evelyn a while ago, mm -hmm. I was inspired by how terrible her recipe was mm. for enchiladas because she knew about two ingredients. So we're going to share that uh, recipe with you. Uh, and that will be. I think she added a, a few thing. more ingredients to it this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Sweet. So be ready for that. Okay, I think we've yammered enough. Uh, if you want to hear more from Pointers, then you should subscribe to the Point of Rental Station on the podcast platform of your choice. If you like us, then rate, subscribe, review, uh, do all those nice things. If you don't, then maybe, you know, keep it to yourself. Can I leave a comment? As long as it's nice. Okay. If you want to say something, uh, maybe suggest something to make us better, then you can send it to marketing at pointerrental.com. Yeah, do that. Or since you work across from me, you could just tell me. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'll still send you an email. Okay. Well, all right. Here's Gus. Bye. And us. Oh, yeah. Us we're and Gus. We're hey. still here. Hey, good. Welcome to the Front Porch with Lauren Mohawk. I'd like to welcome today's guest and Point of Rental Salesforce Platform Manager, Gustavo Castaneda. Gus, welcome to the front porch. Thank you. So let's just start with the basics. Um, who are you? Where are you from? What is it you even do here? My name is Gustavo Castaneda. Um, I'm originally from Mexico. I was born there. Um, we moved to the U.S. in February of 2012. Okay. Where so, in Mexico? Um, it's a it's not much seat anymore, but you know it's in the middle of the country. It's got mm -hmm. the, the state is called Querétaro. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, maybe like 200 miles north of Mexico City. So yeah, um, moved in 2012. Uh, just my wife and I. We moved around, you know, for the last you know 10 years, eight years or so in the U.S. Six months in North Carolina. That's for the job that I had before. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Houston, then back to North Carolina. Now then back to Dallas, and then we are really looking forward to stay here. Yeah. And uh, and what I do, so um, uh, I manage our Salesforce platform. I try to make sure that everything runs like clockwork. If people are in Salesforce and they are just doing their thing, you know, 
selling um, software, resolving issues, and the tool is just there, just kind of helping them and 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 uh, really sustaining that day-to-day job without noticing that that's I think that'll be a successful day. Um, but yeah, I mean, every now and then people have like you know questions or you know we have this thing that we didn't expect or we are trying to connect Salesforce with this other platform or we just change our process. Uh, how can we change that? And so creating those new features and make sure that everything also fits in the existing setup mm-hmm. and make sure that nothing breaks and works as expected. That's that's our job. Please name as many crustaceans as you can off the top of your head in the next thirty-five point four seconds. Uh, I guess a shrimp's a crustacean. Crawfish. Which mm-hmm. I think is a horrible animal, but I think it's a crustacean too. <laughs> Crab, mm-hmm. lobster, uh, I don't know. Sea cucumber. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about, like, you know, finding Nemo right now. Uh, well, I think of everyone we've asked that question to, you came in first place. So, congratulations. Oh. Well, I'm proud of being a crustacean connoisseur. <laughs> All right. Um, so, let's just kind of talk about your career for a little bit. Sure. So what did you want to be growing up? I can't imagine you grew up using Salesforce. That is correct. When I was growing up, I thought I would be an engineer, but like a, you know, like a space engineer type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, Apollo 13. <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, and I remember, I remember my, you know, like my parents or people like, hey, how, how come you like it so much? You want to be an astronaut? I was like, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> you know, that, that's crazy. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. I'm not that brave. You know, I want to be like those nerds, you know, in, in Houston figuring things <laughs> out. I always like, you know, tinker with things. And that drove my parents nuts a little bit. So, you know, we'll come back home. And, you know, back in the good old days, you, you didn't have any. So I was like 14 years old on my own with a screwdriver at home. Mm-hmm. And I was taking things apart and see how they worked. Mm-hmm. So I went to mechanical engineering. I work in a lot of automation. Not in automation as we do now for programming and things like that. It was like you know, how to make sure that this assembly line runs on its own, you know, mm-hmm. sensors and mechatronics. And it was really, really cool. And I've never worked like that since I graduated. You said that you used to drive your parents crazy. What did you take apart that got you in the most trouble? <laughs> I actually, I have, I have two answers for you because it was one from my mom that she was really upset and one from my dad, he was extremely upset. They were supporting the aspect of like, sure, let's have him, you know, explore, uh, you know, Safely slash, you know, let, let's strike him not to, you know, burn down the house. I remember one day I was like, oh, yeah, I was maybe like like six or seven. I, I, was, I was asking my mom, I don't know how irons work. Like, they get hot. How do they get hot? There's no fire going on there. What's up? Mm-hmm. And then she told me like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, back in the, you know, uh, we had a little patio in the in the garage. Like, yeah, there's an iron there. Like, yeah, you just turn it off, turn it apart. And I was like, all right, sweet. So, you know, she went to work or whatever. We, you know, it was like a little lunchtime. She went back to the office. I got there, you know, found an iron, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a good sample. So I tore it up, and it was pieces everywhere, and obviously back then I didn't put things back apart. So she was like, what do you do to my iron? I'm like, you told me that I could, like, no, not the new, not the good one, the bad one that is further in the back. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, crap. <laughs> and my dad, we had a computer. We had the first computer we had, Windows mm. 95. That was great. And I was trying different commands, and then, you know, one day it didn't work. <laughs> And uh, my dad came over back from work, and I was like, what happened to the computer? I'm like, I don't know. We tried to fix it, but, you know, I'll keep trying. And, you know, he, he's not exactly, you know, he wasn't computer savvy. He just knew that it was broken. Mm-hmm. And back then, you know, you fix computers the same way you fix the car. You took him to a shop. Right. And that was absurdly expensive. So, yeah, 
that, that was that was two things they, they got me in trouble. I know if 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 that would happen to me now, like if my kids were like, you know, I would show up mm-hmm. and I will, I will find out like, you know, that my laptop was like torn up. Yeah. I would probably not be happy. Now, you said you went to school in Mexico for mechatronics engineering. But the only time I've heard Mecca is not Mecca. Is, is it Mecca? It's anime, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, Mecca is like added to a different word was in Mecha Godzilla. Um, is Mexico building Mecha Godzilla, or does Mechatronics mean something different than that? I really hope it's Mecha Godzilla. But I, I really wish to. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be very interesting. He'll, he'll answer a lot of questions. <laughs> no, um, Mechatronics at that time it was like this integration between you know mechanical engineering, electronics, and and electrical engineering. Hmm. So. The joke around when I was in college was like, oh, so you're not really specializing in anything, right? So you have you know, a little bit of everything, but not really a lot of, you know, one single piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then it was like, what? No, no it was like, almost like offensive and derogatory. Right. And today I'm like, no, I like it. it it's, I'd rather be that, you know, that gives a lot of... It's nice to have a general knowledge of a whole lot of different fields of engineering. Yeah. Right. And a lot of things that I think have been good for me is having that broader understanding of things that how things are put back together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course, back then I didn't thought about that. We're the first four or five coming out of mechatronics, and mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. So what did you do when you got done with school? Unfortunately, I did nothing but working, even through school. Yeah. So I think the last year of, high sc- of college days was working. Like, I was already having a full-time mm-hmm. job. And I say unfortunately because looking back, I will be like, yeah, I should have probably just gone to school. Like, there's a lot of time in the future to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I know you said you discovered Salesforce, like, once you were in the workforce. Um, what specifically was the job? You, was that at Siemens when you started working with Salesforce? Okay. Yes, gotcha. I was, uh, you know, when I was working with the engineering team, we were actually looking at our reports, our forecast reports in engineering, same, same way we have here with, with implementation. They will tell us. You know, we have these many orders to go. You know, you should have enough capacity. You have all these deadlines. So, yeah, I have a lot of empathy for our implementation team. So um, how exactly did you end up meeting Lathan and getting um, on board here at Point Reno? So um, around, what was that, March of 2020, it was already, you know, COVID was just starting to see like, whoa, this is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And the company that I was working for, we're doing consulting for Salesforce for other companies. Mm-hmm. And I could see the strain is like, okay, so contracts are starting to slow down a little bit. You know, maybe I'm going to start looking for another job. And also, the part of consulting is nice, uh, at least what I was doing. The problem was like dealing with customers, just kind of like counterintuitive. So our customer-facing teams, I also, you know, God bless them. You know, you know when you deal with a person paying for, for the bills, it's definitely a skill. So focusing on just one company or one org like ours, I find it more appealing than working for multiple customers on multiple different instances of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It's harder to understand and keep track of. And then, um, then Lathan called me. I had, I had already accepted an offer from another company. <laughs> and then Lathan is like, hey, you like this? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But um, can we talk a little bit, you know, maybe tomorrow? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you yeah, can explain stuff. And then I put Preston and I was like, yeah, it's going to work out really well. So I turned down the other job and mm-hmm. come over here. Sweet. Well, yay, Lathan, and yay, Preston. <laughs> Sometimes feel things happen that everything just kind of feels right. And I think this is one of those things. I've been pretty happy since I've been here. Good. I think I think in general, the way people work here is a lot of, you know, it's definitely supportive because things sometimes don't work out as, you know, as they should. Sure. But I feel also it's a lot of, you know, the part of accountability is high. Mm-hmm. And I've worked in other teams where I'm like, well, I'm not 
you know, somebody else can do that. That's not my job type of thing. Mm. I never heard that here. I mean, everybody's like, take the ownership culture is pretty high here. Mm. And I've been in other places where they're like, well, you know, I guess I'll just let it break, right? Mm. So here people take a lot of pride in their work. I, I think if, if people didn't have like that, you know, ownership and, and love for, you know, or the care for their, their work, mm-hmm. it will be really hard to build rapport and respect for people everybody working around. Sure. They can build a friendship maybe, but you can see you can see someone, I think here, you know, pointing everywhere and anybody that works here, you're like, oh yeah, he's good at that. Oh yeah, yeah he's good at that. Mm-hmm. Or like you can recognize the value that someone brings in. Mm-hmm. And when they have that, it, it is kind of easier to use like, you know, elaborate and build a point of relationship when it's a work. Okay, that's enough praising point of rental. <gasps> yeah. Well. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. Then we can go back to normal. Um, So what have you been able to pull from your previous jobs that have really helped you in your point of rental career? I think I think managing smaller, highly skilled teams. So when I was when I was an engineering manager, we had, you know, drafters, technicians, and we also had engineers and and senior engineers. I I always figure that, you know, it takes a skill to have a large team of the reports. So everybody needs something. Everybody's like tugging at your shirt and it's like, hey, you know, I have an issue here. You know, what do you think about that? And it's great. If you have like four people, if you have 20, it's hard. It's like, sorry, man, I don't have time for this right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Because you've got how many on your team now? What, four? Four. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so right in that same niche there, I guess. What is your one favorite part of working here at Point Rental? Well, one is going to sound like kind of cliche. I love working from home. I mean, I, I definitely love, you know, reaching out and, you know, coming often to the office, you know, every now and then. Uh, but I think that... Something that I really like here is that almost every week, at the minimum, somebody has a question about, hey, do you think we can do this in Salesforce for something that I would have never thought about? Like, hmm. you know, can we can we connect these to, you know, another accounting system? I could have to think about that, maybe another better example. But um, it always, you know, one of the things that, that I like the most is it's always something new. Welcome to English 101 with Professor Sarah Crowther. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Today's word is skiving. They were caught skiving. I think that's what you, uh, you know, what your mom tells you, like stop, you know, poking your finger in your ear, like stop skiving your ear. I'm afraid that answer is incorrect. (laughs) It's slang and it basically means um, avoiding work by leaving early. You can also go, you can also skive from school. I was surprised to learn earlier that you speak German. I know you mentioned that you've been to Germany a couple of times, and that's pretty rare here in the U.S. Um, Why did you learn that particular language? So when I was in, when I was in, uh, in college, um, in the university, the, they had a pretty good they're probably better now. They had a pretty good exchange program. Part of the reasons I chose Germany was because you know, they had pretty good programs for engineering, mechanical engineering in, in Europe. And it was like dead center in Europe. Like there's a lot of things that you can go around and visit there. So I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably. And I didn't know German at that time. <laughs> so you I went, did or did not know at that time? Did I not, did not. Okay. I mean, I, everybody was supposed to do a course. Like, you know, they were not going to let you go without really knowing anything. But, you know. People always find ways into, you know, getting what they want. So I went to a course and everything. And, you know, I, I spoke some German, you know, when I, was, when I arrived. But that would have got me by to, like, you know, speaking to, a, like, a five-year-old about the weather. 
mm-hmm. not about going to like, oh yeah, this is you know how an animation system works for you know twelve volt in blah blah condition. And they're like, oh crap, mm-hmm. what did I get myself into? But that was that was the motivator was there to you know learn and, and see. And then when I was there, it was pretty bad because <laughs> I, I had everything already worked out. You know, it was doing great at school. You know, had my social life worked up, and and I felt that I just took that and torch it and start over somewhere else. But that's probably one of the experiences that I've made me grown the most. And I think that kind of showed me that the more further out of your comfort zone, you know, it gets, uh, you probably grow the most. So can you tell me a joke in German? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, you gotta still okay. I don't, yeah. I cannot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you only know inappropriate ones, or do you not know any jokes in German? The only jokes that I know right now are, for, are in English for my kids. Like Those what, are the best kinds of jokes. What is scary and, and, and drives a tricycle? Darth Vader riding a tricycle. <laughs> because she has, like, this joke book of, of, of Star Wars right now. So what was being an exchange student? Like, I know you said it was pretty just terrible for your learning experience, but, like, being, like, an actual student in Germany... Well, I, I think I think I should rephrase that because the terrible part was maybe like the first three months. Where I arrived, it was like the equivalent of a dorm, mm-hmm. like in the United States, but it's not in the in, in school dorm. It's like out of, in the city. Like the whole mm-hmm. university is kind of scattered in the town. Okay. So I was there. You, you get assigned a, a flat and a number, like a room number, mm-hmm. and you go there with other people that you don't really know. And those are typically like local students, maybe Germans or maybe other from other European countries. And there's always like one or two rooms reserved for the the outsider foreigners that just come from one year. Right. So and they, is this in Berlin area or? No, I, I, I went to a school uh, near Frankfurt in a city called Darmstadt. Okay. And so I went there, you know, they give you, you go to the office, they give you a number, like this is where you're going to go. So I went there and there was nobody there because I also arrived like in end of August or beginning of August. Hmm. So it was like out of the school year, nobody was there, everybody was home. Hmm. So I was there on my own. Didn't speak, didn't know anybody, couldn't watch TV because I didn't understand anything. And then one guy shows up, one of my flatmates, and uh, he was just coming back from his own exchange program. So he went to Barcelona, and there was this German kid. Uh, We spoke both English, but he just came back from the same equivalent opposite experience that I was just coming into. And he's like, yeah, man, you're going to (laughs) struggle. So let's change that right now. So he spoke perfect, pristine Spanish. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, obviously like Spanish accent, but it was like, oh my God, so how do you say this? Oh, that's how you say it. So, oh yeah, you know, this is how you go, this is how you ask. So hmm. it was like a very intensive, like one-on-one for like six, seven weeks, hmm. just to kind of like help me polish my kindergarten German into functional German. Right. And after that, it was incredible. It was, it was really great. I think the biggest difference that I found was the freedom. So when I was going to college in Mexico, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but we they took attendance. Like, you showed up, and if you didn't have enough attendance, you, they, you wouldn't even be able to mm-hmm. sit up for the exam. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Germany, I was like, all right, so here's the book, here's the date, I'll see you in the final. Actually, this flatmate of mine, he told me, like, you may want to take it down a little bit. Like, enjoy your freedom, but, you know, you still need to get at least some acceptable <laughs> grades. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right, okay, like I guess I study. But that's, that's also, like, the, the growth part. Because if I would have been in Mexico, it would have been like, uh, I gotta go to school because I have to. Hmm. And here I was like, well, if you don't if you don't have that drive inside you, then nothing's gonna work and you're gonna fail. Right. So so that like self 
you know, motivation. Yeah, like really becoming an adult type of thing. Hmm. But I did pretty, pretty dumb things there too. Well, is there anything that you did that, upon reflecting, you're kind of amazed that you actually did do? Yeah. So we did we did one nice uh, road trip, I guess backpacking trip to Poland hmm. in February. It is a very that cold place. Cool. <laughs> um, and I didn't have like proper clothes and everything. Um, and we did a trek. We actually walked through the border from Poland to Slovakia on like on foot through border <laughs> gate and everything yeah. in middle of February. Took another train to Budapest, and I went to other friends that were like all over other places in Western Europe, but nobody nobody spoke Polish or Slovakian or anything. Right. So um, one time we went to Budapest, just getting off the train in the, in the train station, a lady comes around, like an older lady, like I mean her sixties or seventies, mm-hmm. with a notebook. And pictures in it. I would not talk to anybody. I was like hyper Mexican mode. They're like, don't talk to strangers. Everybody's gonna try to, you know, sell your kidneys. Don't <laughs> do anything. And this this other friend of mine was like, you know, everybody's my friend. You know, you know, everybody, everything's super cool. Let, let's enjoy. So, <laughs> this lady was trying to rent her flat. They were like, definitely the pre Airbnb days. Mm-hmm. But nobody, you know, she didn't speak English. She just spoke Hungarian, I guess. Uh, my friend was like, oh, man, look at that flat. I'm like, are you serious? Like, oh, man, we can stay there for, for what? Like, I don't know, it was like maybe, you know, 40 years or 40 years or something. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that is horrible. No, man, we're, no, we're, we're going to get like stabbed to death. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, fine. If we all do it, we're all going to do it. It was four of us. It was, you know, two guys and two girls. So if they're in, I'm in. And it had like, you know, it was like one bedroom and a bunch of couches. Mm-hmm. And we got there and it was like, oh, my God. It wasn't bad. I mean, but it was just like so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had like nice, beautiful, you know, view of the river. You know, it had the Buddha side, the pest side. So it, it was pretty nice. It was incredible, actually. And uh, the lady was super nice. You know, she brought us food every day after that. And I was like, huh, all right, well, I guess you were right. I was wrong. If you could take your family um, to Eastern Europe, do a backpacking trip and do that whole thing over again today, would you do that? I think so. Um, I don't know if my wife would agree. But uh, but I would definitely I would definitely say like you know it's I think it's it's about I don't know, for me it's about exploring and and, and the kind of learning and getting exposed to other things. Yeah. Like part of the reasons why we moved a lot, I guess, is also because like you know we're always trying to see what what else is out there. You know what sure. what more can we do? Um, I would love my kids to have the opportunity to, to travel as much as I did. Although now looking back into how much trouble people can get, I would be like you know a little bit maybe concerned, mm-hmm. but it's also part of the reasons why it made you grow, I think. Yeah. What was your favorite food in Germany? The second part of it, when I worked in, so I was, you know, from one year studying, having fun, you know, pretty much eating dunner kebabs. That was the only thing that was open on Sundays when people are hungover. Like mm-hmm. there's like a little, almost like a taco cart, but they don't sell tacos, they say dunners, which is like pita bread with lamp inside. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. So that was like my student go-to comfort food, but I was working. I, of course, I was working when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I live with a German family. The the mom, I call them my my German parents. I actually, send them Christmas cards every year. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. She she would she would cook like these, you know, sausages and lentils. It felt like very homey, you know. Even though you know, growing up, I have a few different. You know, it was not my experience of growing up. Like like it was like you know for them for that family. Mm-hmm. So for like that year or so, what I was doing with them, it was like a very, like I don't know, like a very cozy family environment that she was cooking every day. So. Mm-hmm. And my uh, husband's family, they had a German exchange student come stay with them here in Texas, and a very similar situation. Like she'd cook 
you know, he would just sit down at the dinner table for them and they'd have dinner all together. And like, they've gotten to go over to Germany to go see his family. And it's just like suddenly two families are like, okay, you're now extended family basically. Right. So that's cool. So did you find any good Mexican food in Germany? <laughs> no, um, we actually had to bring our own. We didn't have to. So we had friends. I mean, there were other Mexican kids there mm-hmm. in exchange. And, you know, my parents didn't have the money to, you know, fly me every every break. So I was there one trip in, one trip back. Right. But some other other guys were able to, you know, you know, fly a couple of times. So they will bring stuff mm-hmm. and we will do our own Mexican cookout with like authentic stuff. Like you can find like, you know, canned beans and chilies or things like that. Right. But, you know, one girl, she brought like the entire like ingredients to build to make tortillas hmm. and we're like there they're just like doing a thing you're know, pushing it down it was miserable work but it was very <laughs> nice and you know kind of share that around mm-hmm. uh yeah and then when i came back to mexico i realized how very unused to local food i was hmm. so i couldn't I couldn't stand anything hot or spicy anymore grab your forks it's time to go to Evelyn's kitchen. Hey everyone, so today I wanted to talk about my all-time favorite dish called enchiladas, specifically the green enchiladas. These in particular tend to be more spicy than the red ones because of the type of peppers that you use in the sauce. You will need some peppers, probably jalapeno or green bell peppers. Another thing that you may need is chicken bouillon. I think that's what it's called. You add that to the sauce as well whenever you're making it. You will need some salt in it. And and um, what's another smell that I get from the sauce? Nothing says love like my mom's enchiladas. When provecho. So like a lot of our development team, you also like building projects, as you said. Um, so what are you working on right now? We have a few different, like, well, I say we, I say my son and I, because he's, he's now the, my outlet for building things. <laughs> so there's like all these different, there are all these toys that I wish we had when I was younger. So he has like these solar cells and these programmable robots that he can build. So uh-huh. um, yeah, we're actually working on a, like a little, it's almost like, a, almost like a merry-go-round. <laughs> But, you know, it goes, goes around on its own and you can program, like, speed and, you know, do you want to go back and forth and everything. Hmm. Kind of working really my cool. way to a, to a 3D printer. That will take us really the next level. Building a 3D printer? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can buy your kit. Oh, I so, that. Um, huh. And you can set, like, different modes of printing and different filaments. So, yeah, that, that's, on the, that's on the projects for, for this year. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's the coolest thing you've ever made, either from a kit or just building it completely from parts, apart from Mechagodzilla? I wish I would have built a Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I don't know. One thing that I was kind of pretty proud that I that I built, um, it was, you know, maybe when I was more younger. So, like, there was, there was this shelf that I just copied from a magazine that I think it looked pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, we're still living in Mexico. I didn't have my whole tool, so... It actually had casters, not very dissimilar than we have here, mm-hmm. uh, like these big round casters, and you can like you know spinning around and have like different. I don't know. It was it was nice, but I feel pretty proud because you know I built that without like YouTube or any guides. I was just like f- you know following the picture from a magazine, yeah. and, and it came together, huh. and it was a monster. Mm-hmm. So I had like this monster shelf in the middle of my bedroom. 
So it looked like something that you would put in your garage. And mm-hmm. it was very well. I ended up selling it just because I was like, just, it wasn't bad. It just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. It was like brushing my teeth and it would be like, you know, you know hitting my, my elbow on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty nice. How would you describe your musical skills? <laughs> um, rusty. So um, I used to play in a band. I used to play the guitar. That was pretty fun. The first, the first job I had was uh, with General Electric and the office that we were in Mexico. They would rent out a bar, and uh, they will say everybody that comes here for one night is going to have like at least you know half price off or whatever for drinks. Mm-hmm. And they will say, all right, so we're going to have a lineup of of uh, you know musical uh, bands. Mm-hmm. So it will be like you know we got thirteen slots or whatever, and then obviously the last ones was like ranchero music and things like that, where people were like super drunk. And then towards the end, it was like, you know, mostly like the rock playing people. And that was all somewhere. And then at the beginning, it was like Argentinian and this flute that it was like, all right, well, I guess somebody wants to play. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. I, I, I played when I was in college. And then after college, you know, for a year or so that I was after I graduated working for GE. And right now he's slowly coming back, teaching my son how to play guitar. Yeah. And so, Argentinian yeah. flute? No, I'm oh. pretty bad at flute. So why did you choose the guitar? You know, we had music class in at school when I was like in secondary school or I guess middle school and primary school. And, you know, it was like bring your own musical instrument. And the guitar, I had like all, my dad had like pretty bad, ugly old guitar. And that's the only thing that I brought. Mm-hmm. And that's more or less like, all right, well, I guess we're going to play guitar because that's the only thing that I can have. And that later on, it was like, you know, growing up, puberty, adolescent, you know, phase and I was like into Metallica and, and things like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. I want to learn how to play that. So you were playing, you were um, in the lineup, you were in the group that was doing all the heavy rock yes. music then? Okay, sweet. How many people were in your band? We were four. Four of y'all, okay. It's the same four you went backpacking with when you were in Europe? No, okay. Totally different experience, <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah. And not the four people that you have working under you right now in Salesforce, no. No. Have you thought about starting a band with them? I yeah I mean I have not thought about it but it'd be a great idea I I don't know what their musical skills are hmm. maybe but, in your next team meeting <laughs> well but I I think I think like like every other team it starts with you know if you have like a good personal collection mm. I mean of course of course I have to play something I guess if it's a musical band but you know we get along pretty well that I think if 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 we played something it'd be cool yeah and we all be remote so I wonder how that would work out but I'm sure kind of good Zoom connection will work out. So I hear you're also a board game guy. Um, I know that people like top five lists. So can I get your top five board games of all time lists right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, Top of the list is Catan. Okay. That's, that's, uh, yeah, actually just played yesterday with a couple of friends. Hmm. Uh, Seven Wonders comes after that. Mm -hmm. Um, Another favorite is um, Forbidden Island. That's a collaborative game. We love it. So hmm. you don't, you know, if everybody, lo- you know, there's, everybody has to win or everybody has to lose. So that's a, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. King Domino. We actually played that with good old friend Sean Sebastian. He was hmm. pretty good at that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dragon Wood. Dragon Wood is a card with, you know, dice game. Pretty quick, pretty easy to, to learn. Mm-hmm. So what? No Uno? No. Hmm. Probably should have picked a different game. I think, I think that's a card game. Oh, yeah, it's a card game. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what, no, no Monopoly? Sorry, Monopoly, yeah. <laughs> we have, a, we have a, a sorry board, and, and I was like, this is horrible. Why did you buy it? And my wife bought it, uh, and, and I think we opened it once. 
my kids like it because of the little little pawn thingies and and I was like, what, what, what is this? Star Trek or Star Wars? No, 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 no. Battlestar Galactica. That is. Wow. That's not an option. You have to choose <laughs> one of the two. Well, obviously, Star Wars. Why do I think Battlestar Galactica is part of Star Wars? Is it not? It's a completely separate thing. Yes. Okay. No, well. It's with. It's the one with bears and beats. I mean. <laughs> Oh, has, yeah. Has, okay. I, Maybe that's what I heard it from. Okay. Never mind. Cylons. All right. That's, that's good. All right. Um, so now we're going to go into the five important questions. Five important questions. Five important, five important questions. questions. Five important questions. What would you say is your greatest success in life? One of the things that I feel pretty proud of, you know, we, we bought a house last, uh, last year. Hmm. That was a pretty good you know, highlight moment yeah. in our lives. There's a lot of things that I feel proud of, but that's the one that I'm like, oh yeah, that's... You're a landowner. Yeah, I'm an adult. What is your greatest fear? I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think one of the things that I'm afraid of is um, becoming too too focused on, on me. You know, we moved a lot lately and, and, you know, things sometimes, you know, have not been really that stable. Like, we have not had like the same circle of people that we are regularly meeting with we're starting that now mm-hmm. i think my biggest fear will be just to kind of like having my maybe my kids or you know kind of feeling like that i would like them to be like a little more stable like they don't have like cousins nearby they don't have like mm-hmm. their you know grandparents nearby so like having them like i don't want them to grow alone not having special people around you um and you know kind of share things you know play geeky board games mm-hmm. um having a community is important right yeah and, and having that like like your tribe like you know your people around you that that my fear is that I I hope I don't go like too consuming to like you know work or my own interests that I don't nurture those relationships too. No, that's I've not got an answer like that before. That's a really good one to think about. Yeah, if you could tell first day at Pointer and Gus one piece of advice that would lead to becoming a successful pointer earlier, what would you say? Listen twice as longer than what you were talking. Like I was, I was feeling very comfortable, like knowing about Salesforce, you know, doing for customers, how everything works. I was like, oh yeah, you get a case, right? Okay, cool, yeah, case, got it. Ne- next. There's a lot of nuances that how we do things that have nothing to do with necessarily with Salesforce, but what we consider an issue for my customer, and then you know what's a case for IT, and how is IT sometimes really with a customer, but not really with the rest. <laughs> not long ago, I was still asking Jonathan, okay, can you please tell me, like, you know, with hand puppets, what's the difference between an inbound lead and an outbound lead? Mm. My advice to buy past me would be like, all right, let's not assume everything. You know, ask again. Even mm-hmm. if you think you understand it, ask somebody else. Um, what is your most embarrassing moment as a pointer? When I work from home, as hopefully a lot of people that work from home, I almost never wear trousers, like pants. I just almost like shorts and flip-flops. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you for yeah, the clarification. Yeah, I need to clarify <laughs> that, that there's still something covering. But then I was like moving around, you know, I was in the, in the patio where it was nice. It wasn't super hot sure. yet. And inadvertently, I kind of moved my camera down to my nether area. And Ross was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, oop, oop, sorry, sorry. I was there. Uh, that would be an embarrassing moment, actually. I come to that. Yeah. Well, um, sorry to tell you, uh, but you've now been sentenced to death because actually showing a coworker your nether regions, even while wearing shorts on a Zoom call or any sort of virtual call, is a capital offense. <laughs> Oh, no. um, so what is your last meal and why? So my wife, she's a pretty good baker. 
And uh, there's like this chocolate chocolate cheesecake that she bakes like maybe like once a year. That one I like because it's one of the first things that, you know, that she baked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It comes along with a lot of emotional content. It sounds pretty good. Okay. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Sometimes I have this tendency to, you know, procrastinate until things maybe a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. I think I think that would be one of the things that I hate about the most. It doesn't happen in the work a lot. Brian, what is it that you do? It's not procrastinating. It's something else. You can procrastinate, which is making yourself have early deadlines so you can just not worry about like the things later. Mm, so you're still... So you still your... get all the panic of procrastination, mm. but you just do it earlier. It's different. What is your spirit spice? So if you went in a spice cabinet and you were like, this represents me in my life, <laughs> what would you pull out? All spice. There's one thing that we have <laughs> that you rub it on everything and you look at the ingredients and there's like 25 things mm-hmm. and no matter where you put it something you know tastes a little bit different than chicken tastes different than fish uh but it's great and uh requires not a lot of effort it's a versatile spice and i think i think that's that's the part that i think if i was a spice that would be me tell me a secret about point of rental that there's maybe seven question fives <laughs> <laughs> how did i know you were gonna say that <laughs> uh Sorry, what was the question? Only what's the to the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. What, um, what, what's the secret? What? Tell me a secret about point of rental. That we have a grill. I think I think um, you know the grill in the middle of the patio. Other other places have like oh yeah they have like this you know playroom and but when I could hear like I, I remember asking Sarah is that a grill? Like yeah. I was like does that work? Like yeah we just used it yesterday. I'm like oh. Gus, thank you so much for chatting today. It's been a blast. Thank you. Uh-huh. Questions. Um, yeah, send Gus some love this week. Send him an email, maybe a gif of your favorite Catan move. I don't know if they make those gifts, but if they do, find one and send it to him. Um, and just be epic and let him know that you care. Toodles. When was the last time we did one of these? What is it we do? When do we program? I don't have to know anything. Skiving. I'm going to make kebabs for lunch today. Like stop, you know, poking your finger in your ear. I don't know anyone who want porridge. By the way, you got them all wrong, so wonderful job. Nothing matters. In your face. That was silly. <laughs> <laughs>